alaykum, Ramadan Kareem, and welcome to another episode of the Habibis, three Arabic game designers drinking good Arabic tea. Wait, I did that thing again where I said Arabic. I tea. mean, at this point, we can we can say like two rotating <laughs> Arab game developers. <laughs> That's true. Drinking good Arab tea. When was the last time we were three? I don't even remember. I don't know. We need to get back to that yes. because I, I I missed the I missed the three people vibe. Even though I'm happy to talk to you, I'm always happy to talk to you. But I'm always happy. Fozzy will always be missed. Fozzy is always in our heart. Yes, he is. And because he's the smallest, he fits easily. <laughs> That's true. So, and if Fozzy had to fit you in his heart or me in his heart, it would just be very, you know, the number. It's a little cramped. The number of people who I know who reached out to me. We took a picture together at GDC. And uh, the number of people who reached out to me and said, wait, what? Rami's taller than you? <laughs> it was a lot of really shocked people. I mean, I am pretty tall. So, <laughs> so I, th- I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast, but you hosted the GDC Awards. Yes, I did. To some people's chagrin and other people's delight. <laughs> was, I mean, a little bit of both yes. in my case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard you boo. I saw you laugh. The... <laughs> The photos that you've been posting the last few days have been very good. And the most Osama thing has happened again in that one of them seems to have gone viral in a Photoshopping contest. I love it. This is a tradition that started like seven, eight years ago with my students. When Whenever they would see any picture of me online, they would like Photoshop it. I remember the first time it was it was like a secret. Like they didn't want me to see because they didn't know how it would react. And when I had fun with it and laughed at it, that was it. That was like permission. And it carried over from like, uh, I should show you those pictures. There's one where I'm literally an orange. That's probably my favorite. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, GDC is, it was great. I, mean, I, I missed it. It was, the hosting was, uh, I, I love being on stage and I know that's not a thing that people are supposed to admit, but I really, really do love it. It's a, the photos don't lie. No, I'm smiling. I'm laughing. I'm in my element. I absolutely love it. And uh, if like this weird, evil <laughs> la- villain lair, <laughs> arms outstretched pose, <laughs> is like worship me. <laughs> that was what I was saying. That was a punchline to my knock knock joke. I, I was uh, about to say what it was, but I'm not going to. If you haven't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I literally the first words out of my mouth at the awards were knock knock <laughs> i started i think i it must be a guinness world record this must be the only award ceremony ever to start with a knock knock joke so to. so not all things that haven't been done before haven't been done before <laughs> because they're good ideas right <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying it's unique <laughs> and special. Oh, that's that's for sure. <laughs> oh no, it was great. I had a really good time. It was really good to have you there supporting me too, Rami. I really, I, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed it, even though I've groaned at many <laughs> jokes. I noticed. Uh, it was just really fun to see you do your thing. Yeah, I'm super happy. Uh, yeah, GDC was great. I saw a lot of friends, caught up with them, and then came back. And I, I had to, like, I, I unfortunately got COVID, which is right. the case with a lot of people who went to GDC. And I had to isolate from my family after having missed them for a week. I couldn't touch oh. them for another week. And then after that, when I was able to see them, I had like this feel. You know, it's a normal feeling. I don't know. I don't know if there's a word for it, but. It's it's like when you get when the the like going to a conference is such a high that when you come back like you feel like 
the rest of your life is just so slow in comparison. You, you know, right? What I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. So like that was like I fixed that by just COVID continuing and to then travel. Caught up with me the week afterwards, where I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> I'm not gonna see my friends for a really long time now. That's kind of sad. Yep. Yeah. Do you get that too? I mean, you you go from conference I mean, to conference. Let's I was about to say I fixed this by just traveling for a decade straight, <laughs> and then I just suddenly had to deal with a decade of travel in two years. Yes, yes, that must have been really tough too. It was a strange time. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it it ended up well. Like uh, you know, you, you I've learned a lot about me in those in those two years of COVID. Good. You know about who I am and what I like and what I want. And um, it kind of, I think it forced a lot of people to be more introspective. Yes. That probably isn't a bad thing for the world. No. Um, so, you know, um, you you kind of have to reckon with like the good and the bad of you. Right. And that I think that's been really just a, a good thing uh, for me. Uh, you know, the good in that, you know, flight training, the bad in that, you know, there's always ways that you can be better at communication or staying in touch with people and, uh, you know, sort of like doing how you do things. Yeah. Um, for me, it also like obviously a large part of my life was f- flying like giant commercial airplanes mm-hmm. on like ridiculous routes from like continent to continent to continent in a week. Mm-hmm. And just sort of like seeing the planet heal a little when COVID started <laughs> made me um, maybe very aware of just how unhappy I was about the impact I was probably having on the planet. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm i trying to be smarter about travel. Good. That's amazing. Uh, for me, it was a different experience. Um, I... You know, the, the, I used to fill my time with a lot of social things, especially like, right. you know, travel as well. Not nearly like compared to a normal person, I used to travel a lot. Compared to you, I was like, <laughs> I never moved. <laughs> so oh, you you did a trip a few times a year. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. like I, I think my trip every month or two compared to most people, that's a lot. That really is. That is a lot. But compared to you, it's like I saw you on every one of those trips, and then you had like ten more, or like a hundred more. I was about to say, like, (laughs) if you do if you do a trip every two months, I had you beat in a weekend. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Pretty much. But that that's the thing. Um, It wasn't so much the travel for me. It was the other, just in in general, the socializing. I I'm I love going and meeting people and going to every event. Um, and when that disappeared, uh, I, it was really difficult because I yeah. didn't see people. I just didn't see people for a long time. So I buried myself in work and, um, I, I spoke about this a little bit in the past, but that's how my, one of the re- lead reasons that contributed to my burnout because like, right. that's all I was doing. Um, and when I shared that a whole bunch of people said that they had the exact same right. experience. Right. But wouldn't you argue that? Part of that is also just a good thing to learn about yourself because that's kind of what I mean with like, you know, you have to reckon with the good and the bad of yourself. And I think burying yourself in work is a very common defense mechanism in the games industry. Yeah, it is. And turns out maybe that's not great. No, no, it is not. Just, you know, as a, as a (laughs) sort of minor, minor thing that we, many of us have noticed over COVID. It's like (laughs) work is not a solution. (laughs) 
and, and the break in routine caused so many people in the industry to change jobs. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yep. They were just, it's like they snapped out of their routine and they're like, well, let me think about what's important to me. Yep. And it was, it's a, a staggering number of people that I know change jobs within the last two years, like within, yeah. within these conditions. And now like that we saw, like GDC happened, um, you know, the COVID ran amok uh, more or less. Uh, Dice before it happened, it had similar results, but it was a smaller event, so it was more contained. And the question now is, how long is this going to last? Is it mm-hmm. ever going to go away? And how, what are we going to do about it, if anything? And nobody seems to have any answers. But before people were speculating left and right about two more years or six more months or whatever, you know, all these theories about if we only did this. And now I don't hear anybody guessing. Everyone's kind of like, I don't, huge question marks. Nobody knows what's happening, especially with uh, Omicron. I'm sorry, this took a dark turn, but like. No, I yeah, think it's good to talk about. Need to, I mean, it's. Like, yeah, I know it's, someone who caught Omicron six weeks after recovering from Omicron, which is new yeah. even for COVID standards. Like COVID, usually you, you caught it, you're good for a few months, right? Now. That used to, I mean, that used to be the, the like, people seem to. Even with earlier versions, it was possible to get it again. Yeah. Um, but you know, Omicron seems a lot more aggressive with that. Yeah. Milder. I don't know. Like I, more aggressive in terms of, you know, contagion. I guess. Yeah, it's uh, you know the 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 way people say it. Like COVID was a pandemic, and now it's endemic. Yeah. And I don't know how much I enjoy that thought because there's a lot of people for who this is really bad news. Yeah. But I mean, it's that thing where there the world sucks. Yeah. Like honestly, like right now everything is pretty like bad. It's not feeling. It's not feeling good. The world is just not feeling good right now. Yeah, uh, everything feels uneven and unfair and unbalanced, and everything is just sort of slipping away from people. And it's just, it's a rough time. Like you talk to a lot of people. You know, I do a lot of consultancy with people who have, honestly, uh, humble dreams for the games industry, right? Mm-hmm. And you just talk to, you know, I end up talking to a lot of people in a lot of places in a lot of different conditions, socioeconomical situations, backgrounds, races, religions, anything that's part of what I do. And you just, there's this, this shared thread of just this weird weight on people. So sad. Um, Yeah, it's odd times. I don't know. I don't know what the, it's a thing I think about frequently. It's like, what is this world coming to you? I think it's a question that many people have asked themselves over the millennia that humans have been around. But mm-hmm. uh, it feels like, a, and I'm sure they all said this, but it feels like a relatively overwhelming question right now. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, luckily we have video games. Luckily, speaking of video luckily, games. Just, <laughs> thank God we have video games. <laughs> How about you start us off with something cheerful? Do you have any? Uh, how I, I do actually. Good. I have something cheerful. Uh, I'm playing Kirby. Ooh, that is cheerful. American or Japanese the, version? Because you know the eyebrows matter, right? Uh, I think the American version. <laughs> That's the angry Kirby. <laughs> this <laughs> it's a really fun game, um, and 
Kirby is this is the first 3D Kirby from what I understand that actually takes place in the 3D plane. Oh wow. Okay. Um I had not realized that. For some reason I felt like Kirby had been 3D for a while because of Smash but, Brothers maybe. Oh no, even that's 2.5. Even that takes place in 2 yeah, it wow. takes place in a 2 2D plane. I think it's right? only like because then, we've seen him in 3D that mm-hmm. like yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. So this is apparently the first 3D Kirby and uh my gosh, it's good. Huh. It is very, very confidently executed. Um, it it works really well. Kirby moves well. Game is incredibly straightforward. It's a Kirby game. Yeah. Right? So you can approach pretty much anything in the game by either flying over it or by engaging with it. Mm-hmm. And I did not think that would work as well in 3D, but it works incredibly well in 3D. So engaging um, with it, you mean sucking it up and taking its power, right? Yeah, I'm taking it or or fighting with it if you already have a power or like whatever whatever you do with whatever you come across. So it feels like um, a two D Kirby, but in three D, right? Yeah, and it, but it uses three D in really smart ways. Um, there, there's a lot of just like interesting things that you can obviously do with Kirby if you have more versatility in your move set mm-hmm. or or more versatility to apply your move set. Mm-hmm. So it just ends up feeling like this very rich Kirby experience. The levels are incredibly imaginative. And they have this new ability for Kirby called uh, Mouthful. Huh. Oh, I, where Kirby I can saw the memes. <laughs> giant objects yeah. and then control them, including cars, <laughs> giant traffic cones. I forgot about uh, that. <laughs> a massive light bulb. Um and they're all just little mini games, effectively. <laughs> um, you still have like you know, like in two D Kirby's, you would have those those mini bosses yeah. where the screen would stop scrolling until you defeat the specific enemy. Yeah. Uh, they now created those by just creating like arena shields, where if you walk into an, an area, the shields come up and you can't leave it until you defeat the enemy. Makes sense. So it it has the cadence of a Kirby, but you can really tell that it wasn't straightforward. To make Kirby work this well in 3D, because wherever you look, you know, if you look carefully, you see little smart things that they're doing to make it to make it work. And it feels effortless. That's the magic of game design. Good game design. It's if you like game design, this is a masterclass in just really good feel, really good mobility, really clever level design. Um, They, I don't know. How they got it this right, but it it's probably honestly my favorite Kirby game so far. And that you know, I like Kirby. I I miss Smash, you know, and Smash I'm a Kirby main. Um to the annoyance of literally everybody I've ever played against. <laughs> um I don't know. This is just a very good one. It's also cute and Kirby's terrified face is really funny, so <laughs> I just keep laughing. Well, I'm really excited to give it a shot. I'm gonna add it to my impossibly long backlog yeah because you've been doing literally nothing in your life besides <laughs> playing elden ring yeah pretty much i mean okay so elden ring has been a roller coaster ride for me as you know so summing up in case someone hasn't watched it or listened to an episode for a while uh i was i i've quit elden ring like five times maybe more played it for about an hour died a couple of times Got upset, quit. Played it a little bit more, faced a boss, died in instantly, quit. Came back, 
every time I came back, I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to try again. Like this is going to be the, the Souls game that I play for longer, for the for longest. This is the interesting part is that at one point I beat the first boss who was like overpowered, right? And then something happened where the next few bosses after them happened. Like basically the, I, uh, when I beat him, I went to GDC, so I was away for a week, right? I come back. And I think that boss is poorly balanced because I beat, no joke, something like six bosses in one day. No oh, cheese. Yes. I was just like flying through them. One, then the other, then the other, then the other. I'm pretty sure that either that first boss, it's one of two things. And I can't really tell. I honest to God cannot tell which one it is. Either like something clicked and I understood how the game works and I started being able to like re- react better. Or that the, that very first boss is just like horribly balanced and is actually more difficult than the bosses after him, because I right. I went from trying and dying with that boss twenty or thirty times to beating every other like the, the next six bosses on the first second or third try max, like unheard of, and right. and then I hit another damn wall where there was just a, this boss where uh, what's the boss of the wall. <laughs> Practically, it's literally so far the biggest boss in the game. It's it's a giant. All right. It's a, it's All right. it's a literal giant. I won't say All more, right. just in case there are spoilers. I don't think people will be surprised that there are giants in Elden Ring. Beyond that, I won't say more. But it's literally the biggest boss. And I'm a melee fighter, so when I mentioned that I was I was done with the game, I'm fed up. I, I keep dying to this stupid boss. <laughs> I, I beat a whole bunch before it, and I'm stuck, and I'm gonna quit the game. I'm just gonna go back and play a few levels. Uh, finally you'll come to destiny <laughs> i i tried but the thing is every time i pick up any other game i want to go back and play elden ring i'm actually hooked i really am and i'm shocked i'm more shocked than anyone else because i didn't expect it at all uh, at this point i'm no longer shocked i've edited like five episodes <laughs> and you and fuzzy talking about elden ring i'm like i gave up on ever talking about anything else on this podcast yes it's still shocking to me because I've played every Souls game for an average of maybe an hour. I think the one I played the right. most was like 13 hours. I really, really like the first one, the Demon Souls. And every right. other one after that, it's like an hour, get to a boss, I get killed, I, I, I give up. An hour, two hours, three. That's it. It's a far more accessible experience in many ways. It is. It is. It is. This one is like I see a lot of people beating Elden Ring and saying, okay, that's it. I'm going to go back and play the other Souls games and Bloodborne. That's not me. I have zero desire to go back to those games now. Right. I, this was, this allowed me to do a few things. So this giant boss, okay, this is the upsetting part. Right. The boss. So yes. I, po- I, I posted on Twitter. I'm like, that's it. I'm done with the game. I got this boss. This boss is stupid. I can't beat him because I'm a melee fighter. Half the responses were like, what? That, that boss was easy. What are you talking about? And the other half were like, yeah, he was like the worst. But once you get past him, don't worry, don't worry, it gets better. And it's because if you're a melee fighter, you have to like come up under him and hit his feet. And then the moves that he, he does, the telegraphing, you can't see them. So you can't react mm-hmm. to what he's doing. If you're a ranged, a magic uh, fighter, you're fine. You're just shooting him from far and he's actually super easy. But this is like 100 hours in. Oh, and that's right. the other thing. After a while, well, they're like, oh, we don't get it. How come you're struggling? Um, how, how many, like, what level are you at? And at the time, I was level 90. And they're like, oh, you're not supposed to fight him until you're, like, level 120. Because, and which, the way it's paced, that means the last few bosses I beat, I was under-leveled for them. But also, right. there's these summons. 
And they were like, oh, what level are your summons at? And I just never, the game never told me that I could level up my summons. So I had like level zero summons, like the first, first ones that you get. <laughs> and I thought the summons were useless. Everyone's like, oh, they helped me so much. They die with one hit. That's all, like every time I, I called a summon in a boss fight, the summon would... Is it like you coming up on the on the Elite Four in Pokemon and throwing out a level three Pidgey? <laughs> Like it's worse. It's like nothing. Don't mess him up, Pidgey. <laughs> you got this. It aggro's the boss for one attack, and then yeah. I'm on my own. And th that's how it's been. So I'm like, yeah, I'll call the summon. I'll take that one attack. The attacks in, in Elden Ring are brutal. They could one shot you sometimes, or like two shot you usually. So I realized that the last three, four bosses that I beat, I beat with like practically no summons under leveled. But I, but I still the stubbornness, the the anger that I felt at that this one giant, I I beat him at level hundred. So I still was under leveled when I beat him, and I didn't feel any joy from it. I was just like raging at this <laughs> badly designed for my class boss. That if I had just leveled up a bit, and I realized this is like this is such a common thing. You keep discovering that you didn't know thing major things about the game. So like even yeah. though I'm 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 loving the game, I also hate it. There are parts where mm -hmm. I'm angry at it. Like how did you not explain to me that I could summon uh, that I could level up my summons, right? Right. And and I missed two whole sections of the game. That's why I was underleveled when I got to the fire giant. So I went yeah. back to these two sections and I'm like flying through it. It felt like I was playing a game on easy mode. Mm -hmm. until i caught like and i beat the next two bosses no effort like no problems until the 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 leveling caught up with me again and that's just the kind of game it is it's the kind of game that it the world building is incredible it's incredible there the so many things about it it just sucks you in and you don't want to leave after a while right because it doesn't get it didn't get me instantly i know for other people it did it took me a while but now yeah. i'm like obsessed with the game and at the same time, there are parts in it I just completely dislike. And yet, I don't know if changing them would change the game to make it something I don't like. It's one of these things where I'm constantly playing it and evaluating all the things I like and dislike about it. And I don't know what I would change. Some things, yes. Right. Some things are very obvious. Like, open the map, close the map with the same menu, damn it. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Like, very, very easy yeah. quality of life changes. Yeah. Other things, I'm like... I missed the section because it's optional, but it's kind of balanced for you to find it. And if you make it too obvious, then even if it's optional, it kind of it's on the golden path. It becomes yeah. yeah. So like I don't know yeah. if I would fix that. I think it's it's kind yeah. of fine to be broken in that way. But then again, yeah. tell me I could upgrade my spirits because there's nothing to gain right. from not knowing that, right? I think I think early onboarding could definitely be improved. Yeah. Still, like yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, as always, you can have the discussion about accessibility, but we don't have forty five minutes, so we're not going to have that one. Yeah. Um, like you know, there's there's very obvious wins for the game that would not change the meat of the game, just the onboarding of the game. Yeah. That I think would be really helpful. Like you know, setting up a character right now is just like okay, yeah. I guess I'll click this. Yeah. Um, and that's fine, but by the time you really get to develop your character, you're, what, dozens of hours in? Yeah. So, you know, it's not really fun to then realize, I don't like this class. Yeah. Thankfully, um, after beating a certain boss, you can respec. Right. Even your respecing isn't a complete respec. Like, you just go back to your default right. class. 
it's it's close yeah. enough that it's not perfect. And, and not just that it's also a thing where you you know you you still feel like okay but i wasted all this time yeah. getting used to something that i didn't like um i don't know like i i mean it's a beautiful game still like gorgeous but uh yeah there, there's definitely things that could be better i was playing it on my steam deck you were playing elder ring what uh yeah i'm shocked i thought that's it you're never gonna touch it i'm i'm impressed no, no, no. I've, been, I've been playing it sort of like on off and on i just don't have a lot of time to play it so i've not really gotten good at it yeah but it's a beautiful world to walk walk through and to just sort of like wreck some enemies in uh it's been good good but uh, then I wrecked my Steam Deck, so now I'm not playing it anymore. Whoa, anger issues, Rami. Like maybe you well, shouldn't have I played did. Elden Ring on your Steam. Deck. <laughs> I have nothing. I don't know how to come back from that. <laughs> no, I um, I was uh, I brought my Steam Deck to um, to a, a trip to uh, Munich this week. Yeah, and uh, apparently there was something in my bag. I guess. And it cracked the screen on the inside. No. So the glass is still intact, but the, the screen itself is just broken. Lines and like repeat images. So that's heartbreaking. It is definitely and entirely broken. Which, uh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. It was my death kit. So. Okay. So does it work in docked? I haven't tried. Okay. I should try. Because maybe then at least it's salvageable as like a computer. Right. I guess. I mean, I was really using it as a portable device. Yeah. So since it was my dev kit, I still have my consumer unit coming in. Yeah. So I went online and I bought one of those Waterfield pouches. Mm. Is it called Waterfield? I think it's called Waterfield. Mm. Anyway, they, they, it's this, thing, right? And so it's this really nice company. I really like them. Uh, it's this company that does high quality pouches and bags and i found them because i needed a i needed a protector for my analog pocket mm -hmm. um and i just found this really pretty bag online and i'm like okay you know what I'll, I'll buy it you know it was a little it was not cheap but it was also not super expensive and i got it and it is literally the nicest carrying bag for any item i've ever owned in my life mm. so when i saw they also have steam deck ones i'm like i'm yeah yep instant buy they also have a switch one i bought that one as well um they're just really good they have like magnetic closing there's like space for a bunch of games wow it's just like, okay that's amazing it is the best the single best carry bag for any item i've owned in my life okay um, i need to look into that when my steam deck comes in sometime in 2025 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, by the time you're done with Elden Ring, <laughs> you know. I I don't have that much longer to go. But at the same time, it's getting more and more difficult. So I have no idea of how long. Sure, but then you're gonna replay it with a different class. I don't and... think I will. It was a great mm -hmm. game, but I, I, you know, how many games I've replayed in, in the last five years, like after beating him. Right. I think it was one. I think it's no, it's two. Breath of the Wild and Ghost of Tsushima. Those are the two games that I've played more than once in the last two years. I don't have time to, like, uh, unless you're talking about endless games, like that. I'll, I'll throw in Dead Cells. I'll, I'll play Slay the Spire. That's different, right? But like narrative games, story games, 
twice two is the max and the, there were like two exceptions who has time for that there's so many good games coming and i really liked horizon and i want to go back to it i actually left it like five hours or six hours in this one i'm just gonna call it endless ring <laughs> Pretty, it's a long game and it's so seems it. it's still hard so fozzy's like it's actually not that hard he's wrong Fozzy, if you're listening to this, you're wrong. The game is hard. It's like there are it's easier than other Souls games. So yeah, I get that. But like it demands such perfection from you at, at like every mm-hmm. point. Even late in the game now. If I'm if I have like four of the really weak mobs surrounding me, I panic because they could right. keep me in hit stun and kill me, regardless of how much health I have. If I let the first attack hit, I could get unlucky. If they drop me to the ground, they could keep hitting me on the ground. You know, usually when yep. when you're on the ground, like that's a safe space. And then you're playing some kind of a Yomi where you're like rolling away, but you can't get hit on the ground. No, the boss, if the boss has a, a four attack chain and you, the first one knocks you to the ground, chances are the other three are going to hit you and kill you. And that that's it. That's yep. the end of it. So like that's that's punitive. That's difficult. It's not easy. Anyway, why did I yeah. bring it back to Elden Ring? That was your fault. I sure, yeah, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, play, play it back. Mm, let's see. <laughs> let's see whose fault that was. Let's see. Well, um, I mean, I, so for me, the most most of the time I've been playing Elden Ring has actually been sort of between my normal bedtime and Suhoor because yes. I stay awake for Suhoor. Mm-hmm. Because in the Netherlands, it just doesn't make sense to sleep in between. Like, my normal bedtime is around 2 a.m. And Suhoor is at, like, 4.20. Mm-hmm. So, going to bed for two hours would just make me more tired. Of course. It makes no sense. So, um, yeah, I've been getting some Elden Ring in, getting some Destiny in, getting um, getting a lot of Kirby time in. I actually play Kirby after my Suhoor. I play one level. And then I go to bed. Wow! Uh, and it's been very nice. It's a very chill game. Yeah, um, I can't wait to try it. I think I think my kids would like it too. They're big fans of Kirby in general. It is, and it has co-op. Oh, okay, sold. That's what two, I needed to two, hear. Two-player co-op only. You have to keep in mind that only one of you plays Kirby. Okay. So if you're gonna play co-op, let let your kid play Kirby. And the other is Mario's hat. <laughs> it's uh, a waddle d like one of those little uh, enemy guys with a with a spear yeah that's good enough. so you can you it's basically kirby with a sword that's good enough i'll take it yeah it's a good way to support yeah um but yeah i've been doing that uh i've been watching moon knight yeah i watched um, i'm up to date with moon knight i'm actually really liking it i'm enjoying it big time you know what? I was enjoying it until the last scene of the second episode. Interesting. I'm trying to remember what the last scene of the second episode is. I remember the music at the end of the second episode. That was great. That was great. Yeah. No, so the second episode ends with... Um, Spoilers? A, yeah, with a character opening... Well, this is vague enough. It doesn't really need spoilers. But it it ends with a character opening the windows to a hotel room and then seeing the pyramids and then Cairo Mm -hmm. presumably Mm, but didn't look like and I (laughs) and I can guarantee you that ain't what Cairo looks like (laughs) that has nothing to do with Cairo (laughs) it's not even it's not even close to Cairo that's like a suburb of 
a tourist town in Disney. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that was unfortunate because you know they could have done a little bit of research and done that right. It's a shame. It's weird because uh, you know it's being it's being done by an, by an Egyptian yeah, director exactly. So maybe there's a yeah. reason for it. Maybe they opened it up. Maybe that's what Cairo looks like in the MCU. Yarami. <laughs> Well, then I have problems with what Cairo looks like in the MCU because New York looks like New York. I know. Yeah. That it, like, it's not like they put like a Captain America shield on the pyramids. It's just <laughs> now you go to New York and it looks like just, you know, like skyscrapers everywhere only. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I was, <laughs> I was just poking fun at you. But no, absolutely. Well, like, well, poke, fun at the, poke fun at Moon Knight. But the series itself is good. Like, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, like, it the too. The storytelling is great. Yeah. And like, it's nice to come in at a different point than somebody discovering their powers. Yes, agreed. Agreed. And this is kind of that, but also not that at all, <laughs> which is great. Right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's the, like I, I don't I, I am a big fan of the, the Marvel comic books. Moon Knight is a character I've never read a Moon Knight comic, but I've seen him like in, you know, they do crossovers all the time. So I've seen him. Right. In crossovers. So I can't say that I'm super familiar with with the with the character and their, his lore. All I know is that um, he's been rewritten a few times, like because throughout the years of reading Moon Knight. His background changed. His name changed. How he got his powers changed. And the show seems to have taken all of those and just mashed them together and said they're all true. That's the the interesting part. That like I'm like I was curious to see how they were going to handle that. And they took that. I won't say disadvantage, but that you know like rough. Uh, you know, rough foundation. Yeah, foundation, and actually built something solid on top of it, which is I had no idea. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I want to see how 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 it goes. I ha- I'm gonna have to visit the Wikipedia Wikipedia page and like delve deeper into his lore and see what they did and what like, what they chose to take and what they didn't. But just based on the superficial uh, information that I have about the, the character based on crossovers and seeing him in other comics, like I, I think they did him justice and then some, like they actually made him better than, than what nice. I remember. So it's great. Oh, I like that. Yeah. No, I mean, I had a, I had a visceral reaction to a scene in the second episode where, um, the, the character is running across the, the rooftops and there's like a giant moon in the background. It's a beautiful shot. Yeah. But obviously I'm watching the moon for Ramadan. Yeah. And seeing the moon be a crescent again. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. We're like, we're like a weekend. It's like a quarter moon at this point. We ain't, do, we ain't going back there. Like, we're, yalla, let's keep going. Um, I, don't have, I don't have time to record more Sahur by. <laughs> it's already pretty last minute this year. <laughs> this was very last minute. It's been going well, though. Yeah, so far so good. I, I like the ones that we've recorded. They've been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm very excited to hear more of Fauzi's countdown. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things because we do kind of a similar yeah. thing. We're like finding cool people to interview. Yeah. Uh, so it's just really fun to listen to the conversation. But Fauzi kind of feels like a countdown. Yeah, you know? always. It's like you're like, oh, okay, what what is number six gonna be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, it's it's fun to do them again. I I don't know. They felt very meaningful. They were last year. Yeah um because they were kind of like they were meant to be like a thing that could people could just sit with 
while they were having sold. Yeah. And especially sort of like COVID days, that was like, that was a really big deal. And I think it's less of a big deal now. Yeah. But it still feels meaningful. I mean, to some people, it's exactly the same as it was before. There are people who right. just... Right. on. on. It hasn't changed at all. And to others, they're pretending there's no COVID. <laughs> it's not right. extreme. I mean, I'm somewhere yeah. in the middle. I don't know where you consider yourself. I'm somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like, I acknowledge that it exists. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I... But, you know. Yeah. Trying to be as careful as possible. And I recognize that it's a very privileged position to be in. Yeah. Um, but I try to keep my, my contact like smart and minimal and just contained. It's the smart way to uh, do it, right? Lots of rigorous testing, but I recognize that even that is a privilege. Yeah, so. that's what I'm trying to figure it out because reading on, I'm absolutely not an expert, so don't quote me on this, but reading up mm-hmm. on it, it seems that the tests are the, that you could do the, um, uh, the home tests. It's not about whether you have COVID or not. It's about whether you're contagious or not, because they're testing very, very superficial level. And even then, that could change on a drop of a hat. So it's it's like in this moment, are you contagious? In an hour, you might be. But so it's very, it's yeah, it's it's not very good. Yeah, it's better than nothing, clearly, but it's not great. (laughs) Yeah, in my my case, my my partner works with voice, so it's. It's important that yeah. her lungs work. Of course. So uh, I PCR test every time we we visit each other. Good. Um, so I actually know that I'm. I should not. I should not have. And I did not get COVID after GDC, which was bonkers to me. Because so happy for you. We did. Yeah, I mean, we did hang out. We did a lot. A lot. Yeah. So uh, I was a little shocked to uh to have avoided it given all the people that i saw who had it and then recognizing that i was in touch with many of them yeah um i'm pretty sure i I caught it on the way home but i mean there's no way to know for sure but i had there's no way to know yeah i mean i was i was testing very rigorously because after gdc i went to saudi arabia i don't know if i mentioned that on the podcast but yeah how how um, did that go Oh, it was so lovely. Like, I've been working with this sort of, like, incubator program, like, 10 teams, uh, young indies, and they're basically going up for a demo day, yeah. which, if, you know, people listening don't know what that is, it's sort of like an event where people show off their games. There's usually a, an audience that's a combination of, you know, local developers, investors, publishers, like, international presence as well, usually... It's just a way to demo off your work and potentially get some interest from, you know, appropriate uh, potential business partners. Mm-hmm. So um, I know Demo Day in Montreal is a little bit more showing off things, but I think it works kind of the same way, right? Yeah, it's very, very similar. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for this, it's an incubator kind of program, and I support the, the, the teams. Uh, I was brought in very early on um well not not exactly very early on i was brought on somewhere halfway i think but it was when they switched the teams from getting design class to being companies Mm. um and apparently the teams liked me so much that i was invited back for a second time in between my two official like visits wow okay so it was really nice to um it was really nice to visit the teams again, see what they're up to, see how their pitches are going, how their games are going, sort of like 
figure out what everybody is up to and um, you know which teams are doing well which teams need a little bit of extra work um they all pitched again this time with uh 25 investors in the room oh wow uh one of the teams already has like advanced conversations with one of those great so it's just been you know it's such a joy to watch things like that happen absolutely um i was there with a few um with a few friends um one of them Faris Tia, uh, or Atiyah. Um, i met Faris. good guy yeah, yeah. Faris is a lovely human uh, and i work with Faris, and he's helping there too mm-hmm. uh, so it's just really nice to sort of you know have a team working on um on a place you, you know i for 10 years i went to places everywhere around the world and it was never the resources or the money or the the structure that saudi arabia is offering the the incubator right now and you know there's a lot to be said about everything but for me the focus is just on the developers mm-hmm. right i believe everybody should have a chance to make games and absolutely um that's- if i can if i can facilitate that then i will facilitate that because those are the two things that are missing more than anything else is funding and knowledge right so if you yeah. you're able to get those two things to I, I don't want to use the term emergent territories, but you know what I mean. Like territories yeah. that don't have as uh, the the access that uh, the West does yeah. in general, the, then they're often going to exceed us because <laughs> they have to make it work, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, so that was nice. Yeah, I'm I'm so so happy that you're involved in that. Um, I'm hopefully going to do something similar in the Arab Emirates in May. Oh, cool! Yeah, I have a little trip planned. Uh, a bunch of studios are going to show me their games. I'm going to give them feedback. Um, give Aww. a couple of classes on design. Uh, that's generally the thing is that they have competent programmers. Um, and right. Their artists are are okay, but they generally don't have designers. That's almost always yep. a problem. Um, yep. So a little, a few crash courses there, a little bit of feedback here. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, if it turns out they also need some help with doing indie stuff, let me know. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Because uh, I would love to go as well. I'll tag you in. <laughs> yeah. No, please. I mean, if we can see each other in in the the Emirates, that would be that great. That would be great. I actually have a bunch of Do friends we- there because. Um, when I were, went to university, a whole bunch of people from the Emirates came to my university. So I made friends and then they, they took off and they went back home. Um, right. And I used to live there, but I didn't make friends. You lived in the Emirates? So I left Iraq when I was a year and a half. And then I lived in, right. uh, lived in the Emirates until I was about five and then moved to Canada. So I don't have any memories from it. But yeah, I was wow. physically there for... I feel like I knew this. Yeah. I feel like you've told me this. <laughs> yes. I feel like I've forgotten it and I was equally surprised by it's it. It's an easy thing to forget because it doesn't actually right. define me. Like it was at that age right. where it really didn't have a big like a, any impact on me what, uh, at all. But it's a fun fact. <laughs> right. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Um, and of course, speak, like speaking, even the pictures that I have of the Emirates from then and now, like it's not the same city at all. No, at all. No, I mean that's the same thing for uh, Saudi. Like yeah. Riyadh is not what Riyadh was. Yeah. Um, I like it better where it is now, but uh, it's definitely different. No matter how you look at it, makes sense. Spe- speaking of uh, Saudi and and uh, and uh, the Emirates, do you know what I received in the mail the other day? What did you receive? I received a smart prayer rug. <laughs> Wait, are you calling my prayer rug dumb? Yes. <laughs> yes. It just this is this is the same thing when you buy something and 
you know, when you buy a hard drive and it says asbestos free, <laughs> and I have to worry about all the other hard drives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, this is that, but for prayer rugs. My prayer rug has to be charged to function. <laughs> I love it. Okay. To function, because um, you can't just pray on it otherwise. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't pray on it otherwise. You just have a weird, like, floppy thing at the front now. Um, so tell me about it. What is it good for? It, so it's a. It, I saw it on something that was uh, sort of like Kickstarter, but for Muslim products. Hmm. Which I did not realize existed. I didn't know that was a thing. It's called Launch Good. Like Launch Good. Really? And uh, yeah, no, they, they just have Muslim crowdfunding. Wow, that's great. How did I not know about and this? I came across it uh, someday, scrolled around, and then found the, um, the, the Smart Prayer Rug. I ordered it because I thought, why not? Mm-hmm. And it's basically a prayer rug with a low resolution but really large LED screen mm. um, at the front and a speaker. Mm-hmm. It has the entire Quran programmed into it and basically like the prayer procedure mm-hmm. uh, in English and Arabic. That's cool. And you can set it to any prayer that you want of the day um and then it will do the prayer with you that's great it's a great way you to can teach set someone it to, to pray that's amazing yep you can set it to recite you can set it to just have the text on the screen so you can read it um the the screen is sort of like tilted up so you can read it in a normal prayer posture mm. uh, it was just really i don't know like there's something really magical about it clearly very specific market gadget and it's not a western use case <laughs> for once does it tell you the, the uh, qibla, like the direction to pray so no the, at least and i haven't found the option which is a little wild to me it's but odd, yeah then again it is a smart prayer rug and you mostly set the the prayer app, you you set the device with your mobile phone via an app mm-hmm. um and i guess the app shows you the kibla okay that makes sense it's so, it would also be really hard to find the kibla from a stationary thing on your floor because usually even your phones right. you have to like move it around so it detects right. like, you know geolocation yep. that kind of thing yep true so i guess yeah i don't i don't think people want to like move their prayer rug in an eight motion no i don't think that's fun <laughs> so uh yeah no so it, i mean it's a really cool device it's uh, it's weird that i'm charging my prayer rug but uh i think especially for like tarawih or like you know like when people are going through surahs that they normally wouldn't recite it's a much chiller way really of of sort of like interfacing with it rather than needing to have a quran with you or um just you know not trying or mm-hmm. being dependent on somebody who does know the surah by heart like it's just a it's a very pleasant way of doing it and i think it would be very educational for new muslims too so absolutely i know it was it was fun it's fun little weird device um that's great i'm i've like while you're talking i've been going around on launch good and a lot of it is like fundraising for you know underprivileged people or poor people which is great as well yeah but the, uh, like yeah i'm gonna be spending some time on it thank you for the heads up 
and I'll add it to the show notes yeah. if I ever go around to adding show notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll um, do better with that. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's been a bit. It's been very busy has, for all of us. Like, yeah. it's been it's been intense. Yeah. Um, anything else you've been up to? So yeah, uh, one last thing I wanted to mention: bringing you back to Marvel. Um, I watched a TV show called Hit Monkey. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it. Yes. So I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not going to say it's everybody. It's going to be everybody's cup of tea, but it definitely was mine. Uh, Hit Monkey takes place in the Marvel Universe. I don't know if it's in the MCU officially or not. Uh, don't think it really matters because it didn't really uh, overlap with any of the characters of the MCU. So it might be or might not be. Uh, it follows the story of, uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? A macaque monkey? You know, those monkeys in, mm-hmm. in uh, Japan that sit down and like in, in the hot springs? Yeah. yeah, those. So basically, without spoiling it, he's a hitman. <laughs> and he has yes. like an actual human hitman who died as his ghost companion who like guides him to being a hitman, which is really odd as a setup. But it's the kind of thing that if it was in a comic book, it would be completely normal, right? And right. the the tone is is kind of not like MCU tone. It's bloody. It's more like it's closer to what a Deadpool movie would be like. Just to right. give you an idea. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it has a lot of like subtle little references from the Marvel universe. That if you're a fan of the comics, you're going to be like, oh, I know that character. Like an example of it which might be obvious if you know it's it's set in Japan, is Silver Samurai's in it. A character who, right. I, like, unless you played Marvel vs. Capcom 2 or, or, or X-Men Children of the Atom, or unless you read the comics, you'll have no idea who it is because it's just not a character who's like been in anything right. else. But he's a Marvel character. He's a mutant, too. So like, it's, he's, a, he's like an X-Men villain uh, right. who's Japanese and you know exists in that world. So I liked it. I enjoyed it. I think uh, I don't know if people who don't like Marvel would enjoy it. I think so, uh, but I'd love to hear what everyone else would. Uh, if anyone, I, d- I don't know an, another single person who's mentioned that they've seen it. So I don't even know. Who uh, I I don't think I can see it. How come? I don't think it's available in uh, in Europe, or at least I I don't know how to get because it's on Hulu, right? No, it's on Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah, I, I saw it on Disney th- Plus. Huh? I thought it wasn't on Disney Plus. No, no, no. It's absolutely. I, I'll, I'll look it up if I can find it. I, I didn't see it on my Disney Plus, so I. Yeah, I think it just kind of like movie. nobody watched it and it just disappeared. I guess Disney is pushing Moon Knight a little harder. It's weird that it will be on Disney Plus. Is it? Is it even a? Is it a main Marvel project? Is it a Disney project? Well, I mean, all Marvel is Disney, so. Like, right, but they also have that it. weird thing with Spider-Man going on. It's I think not Spider-Man one is the only one left. Uh, no, that's not true. Okay. That's not true. I think Universal also still owns the rights to the Hulk, and they could only include Hulk in movies, but they can't make a Hulk movie. Uh, but all the other mm. ones, because they had like the X-Men and the Fantastic Four were Fox, and now they bought Fox. So like, right. almost all of the, except for Spider-Man, almost all yeah, of like, them. You're the- you're the comic book. Expert. I'll, I'll, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna trust you on this. I'm gonna look on Disney Plus tonight. Yeah, check. Well, that's where I saw it. So it's possible it's a regional yeah. thing too. Maybe Europe doesn't get it or the Netherlands Demand, specifically. Demand. But I saw it on well, Disney Plus. Uh, and Shabba, I mean, I don't have Hulu, so I could not have seen it on Hulu. It's, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
how about we jump into mail? We haven't done a mail. We have segment. mail? Yeah, we have mail. Oh, I okay. think actually after this, I'm going to go through my email and dig out a whole bunch of old mail that we might have might have missed in the last few weeks. We just haven't, like I haven't been around and we haven't right. read any. We didn't read We've it. just been, yeah. it's been very busy for, for all three of us. We just insist on doing a Habibi's episode. So we just see who's available yeah. and then make an episode happen. Yeah. But it's been... It's been a little. It's been a little much. Yeah. It's been a little. Yani. It's uh, you know. Alhamdulillah, we're busy with good things, yes. but like, we're, it is a lot. We need to find a couple of solutions and put them into place together so that we could you know maximize it. Maybe get a few yeah. more guests or maybe a permanent Habibi like to join yeah. us. We have to find. We have to think outside of the box. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Or just think inside the box and actually go back to scheduling this properly. Uh, that's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> all right why not why not we'll give it a shot email email so we have an email from uh i think i'm gonna try to pronounce it i think it's merrick uh but i might be getting it wrong um he says hello i have two questions to the habibis the first is what you what you personally think about in office versus remote work not what you think the industry should do but what is best for you and what you prefer and the second question is how do you lead junior developers or designers during remote work so very, very different questions, mm. but they're related in a way. Um, you want to hit the first one first? I mean, I can hit both in the same answer. Go for it. I guess. I mean, I, I've always done remote, mm. right? Uh, Flamber was an office company for the first few years, maybe. Mm -hmm. But uh, almost all of the work I've done, I've done either remotely or like traveling and then remotely from that point onward. So, um, I've never really known anything but remote work. Mm -hmm. I've always found it very like pleasant because it's extremely flexible. It allows me to just do my life my way mm -hmm. and then do my work my way too. Mm -hmm. um, so I've always been a fan of of, of, uh, of remote work. Like I think distributed just distributed development is extremely powerful. It leaves people with lots of flexibility. Mm -hmm. I do think there's occasional benefit to having everybody in one place. Agreed. Or as many people as possible in one place. But I don't necessarily think that structuring structuring work about every around everybody having to be in the same building at the same hours. I just don't really think it makes sense for game development. I don't think it makes sense. In general, because people are different, right. they wake up at different times. They, they have different right. habits. They, they have different responsibilities during the day. Like some, some right. people are parents. They pick up kids. They drop them off. They they need flexibility in their schedule. For for work like this, I agree. I mean, there's definitely jobs where it's just like people need to be in a place yeah, because absolutely. that's what the job is. Absolutely. But beyond that, like uh, you know, we're we're in a computer job. Like the entire the the internet exists. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Uh, my right. experience has been different. I've been in office for the last 15 years with like maybe a day or two here or there remote, extremely rarely because, you know, I wasn't set up to be able to do remote work. Um, and, you know, when COVID happened, it just shifted completely. And initially, I didn't like it because I mm -hmm. liked being around people. And eventually, I got used to it. I still missed the people 
aspect, right? But like right. now, try to get me to go back to an office five days a week. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Like I like the the commute is not worth it. I'm comfortable. I love my little home office. It has all. It's, it's I'm surrounded by all my favorite things, and I don't mean just my baseball caps. There are other things in here that I love. <laughs> it's just so convenient. Thing is, with my current job, I have the option to go into the office any day I want. It's there. Right. It's waiting for us. I just have to make sure a desk is available, and it always is. And that I appreciate because, like you said, there are benefits. That is really cool. that is the best. Yeah. That's the best of. Yeah. Uh, I th- yeah, I think that's kind of the best situation, right? It's where you 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 work remotely, but there is occasionally the opportunity to be together in a space. That's 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 perfect. Yeah. So what's the what about the second question? How do you lead junior developers designers during remote work? I mean, so that's kind of the 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 same thing, right? Like I I mean I mean this is obviously a little different for my case because I I mentor yeah. more than that I uh, train. Yeah. Um so for me like I've always taught things remotely as well and I I same thing I find it very flexible. I find it works well. Uh, I mean, again, like there's definitely situations where people sitting next to each other would benefit training. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think those benefits outweigh the negatives. No, no, definitely not. And and I think that's kind of where I sit in this whole thing. Is I think there's definitely opportunities that exist solely in real life. Um, but I don't think they're worth the risk or cost of forcing everybody to work in the same way same pattern same place no to live in the same city with the same costs like it just doesn't it i don't know i don't i don't it's you know if anybody is like a recruiter they're having a great time in the games industry right yeah (laughs) it's the wild west (laughs) as soon as somebody goes like yeah no we're you know we're returning we're starting our return to office policy you can just recruit to your heart's content absolutely so it's wild. That's the so for me. I've been a lead and not a lead uh, across my many jobs for a long time. Currently, I'm not leading a team. I'm an individual contributor. And my last job, I was, and the transition happened while I was a lead from um, in office to remote, and it was very tricky. The main problem I can imagine. Yeah, the main problem is visibility. Um, what I would mm-hmm. say is if you lead junior developers or or anyone like during remote work, you need to check in a lot more on them, which means that mm-hmm. you, your capacity, your ability to be a contributor at all while being a lead is reduced because you have to spend a lot more time checking in on other people. Um, in office, you could see when someone's struggling, usually. Mm. Right? You could see it on their face. You could feel it in their body language etc and you could you're able to like get ahead and uh, get get ahead of a thing and and correct it right in remote uh you've mentioned all the benefits of going remote the one thing uh, that i think is that, that you have to compensate for is that it's the lack of visibility some people yeah. you can't tell if like they're, they're low energy in general in their tone so you can't tell on the zoom call if things are going well or not and if you ask them, right uh, they'll they'll often just say yeah yeah no, things are are great and then they get handing their resignation two weeks later and you're like well, I what did I miss so you need to spend right. a lot more time with them yeah I mean yeah absolutely I think it it requires a different leadership style yeah. right like you can't just copy what works in real life and just do that no. digital like it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense no. 
but I think you know the the world is adjusting to it, and I'm I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a lot of thoughtful and considerate um, um, thinking yeah. about this, yeah. right? So I'm hopeful that we'll be better. And I think on the on the flip side, the people that are working under managers, mm-hmm. you know, they also have to adjust to this new reality where communication is a little bit more. It has to be more explicit. Yeah. Speaking right, things which, just have to be said. Like a, be said outright. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> I was going to say no, no, a fine. concrete example of that that I've seen and that 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 I've that I've seen work because you know I've uh, participated in is having water cooler time or coffee uh, chat time scheduled in everybody's calendar, where right um, there's a time like fifteen minutes, thirty minutes in the day. It doesn't have to be more than that. Where people show up without an agenda. There's no reason to be there. You're there to chit-chat, catch up. Mm-hmm. So, like You'd be surprised, even though most of the time the conversations are just about mundane things. Did you see uh, the Game Awards yesterday? Or how about that, you know, the Oscars or whatever it is. Right. But other times it actually goes into work stuff. It, you know, yep. it overlaps with it in a very similar way as water cooler talk will. Yep, And that's great. People feel more connected. And like that that's what was missing. And yeah, still there's yeah. Zoom fatigue from it, so making it optional is key. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't force people to go, but the people who need it will go to it, and everyone else you have to check yeah. in on them. Speaking of um, of making things explicit, oh, it's been it's been an hour. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I I missed this. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. But also, but also, you're tired. It's been an hour. Yeah. Yeah, it's late. We're recording this <laughs> like two days after the day or something. Two days after this podcast has to be live. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we just we just kind of realized that we hadn't done an episode. Yeah. I mean, just kind of, I'm, we're not gonna miss a Habibi's no. episode, are it, we? It's I think mostly it's because the Sahor bites were happening, so they kind of scratched right. that we you know itch. Yeah, you get to talk to like cool people about cool stuff. Yeah. But also, you know, I I like the show in that it brings us together. Yeah, so. and I missed this, so I'm super happy. Yep. But you're right; it's past the hour, and I think this is a good time to wrap it things up. It is past the hour. So, Malish, um, inshallah, next episode we'll record. Maybe even with three of us. Maybe not. I I understand that all of us are super busy right now, so we're just gonna we'll do our best. Gonna see what we'll see what happens. Inshallah. We'll see what happens. Inshallah. All right. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to send us emails and we love you. Salam. Salam. That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I'm Osama Dorias, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Osama Dorias. My fellow Habibis were Rami Ismail. You can find on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. And Fauzi Mesmar who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubaydah, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea, with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and salam alaikum.